All right, let me tell you a little. Tell you a little joke. I can tell you now, my wife didn't like it. She told me not to tell it. But I reminded her, you've never laughed at any of my jokes, so. <laughs> but she loves me. She's my biggest fan, even if she doesn't think I'm funny. I'm not here to be funny. <laughs> so, so a and I got this one from from another pastor friend. But a priest, a minister, and a rabbi, <laughs> they want to see who's who's best at their job, right? So, they make a deal that they're going to go try to minister to a bear and see how far they can get, right? So, so each one goes into the woods and finds a bear and attempts to convert it. Later, they all come back together to tell how, how, they, how they did, right? Well, the priest starts off and he says, When I found me a bear, I read to him from the catechism and I sprinkled him with holy water. And next week is his first communion. <laughs> kind of proud of himself. And uh, the, then the minister says, Well, I, I found me a bear. And he was down by the stream. And uh, I preached God's holy word to him. And uh, the bear was so mesmerized that he let me baptize him. <laughs> and the priest and the minister both looked down <laughs> to the rabbi <laughs> because he's laying there on a gurney in a full body cast. <laughs> and, and he says, well, looking back, brothers, maybe circumcision wasn't the first thing I should have started with. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, Heavenly Father, thank you for laughter. It doth good like medicine. Amen. Thank you that you are awesome, that you love us so much. Thank you for bringing us together here and uh, in this place to, to worship you and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for this church family that you are growing, Lord. And uh, thank you for continuing to feed us the pure manna, Lord. If it's not of you, take it away. We only want you, Holy God. We only want you, Jesus. We only want you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 1.6, and you know I'm usually a minister out of the English Standard Version, although I'm equally in love with the New American Standard Version, uh, the NIV, the NLT, the King James, the New King James. <laughs> I just like them all. Not all of them, actually, but the King James sometimes is just uh, essential. <laughs> so even though I don't speak English in that way, but Ephesians 1, 6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace. How many of you know we are a grace church? And we balance that out with the faith that is our response to the grace of God. If you get that, you'll be light years ahead of most preachers and Christians in this world 
the grace of God is the empowerment of God, the equipment, the equipping of the saints of God, all made possible through the atonement of Jesus on the cross. Everything he accomplished on that cross, his death, burial, resurrection, and enthronement, is the grace of God. Faith is our response to that grace in its multifaceted forms. That's the simplest thing, the way to put it. And that's a that's a, if you if you get a hold of that, I'll give you fifty other definitions that all say the same thing. But if that one helps you, good, because that's a good way to remember it. Because if you're believing for something that God didn't do for Jesus because of Jesus through the atonement, then it's he's not going to do it for you now. <laughs> okay. But what you need to find out is that everything you need for this life and for godliness has already been provided. Yes. Samuel was talking about uh, Karis Bible College and Andrew earlier and uh, yes you know it's all about grace and faith and the proper balance of that but you know students come there in the first uh, in their first year and what they what everybody wants to know what's my calling what's my calling you know what they tell them clean your car Make your bed. Show up on time. Be a good steward of everything that God has put in your life. Sounds like legalism. No. The, there's grace for that. For each one of those things. A righteous man will swear to his own hurt and change not. In other words... In the old days, people used to say stuff and they meant it. I'll be there at this time. They were early. Not just, I might leave the house about that time. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's grace for that. Yeah, there is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's all fruit of the Spirit. An abiding fruit inside of your born-again spirit. But we have to draw on those things and exercise them to get them active and strong and strengthened in our lives. So that we, uh, we are prepared to be and do all that He has created us to, to be and to do. Amen. Ephesians 1.6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us. Everybody raise your hand. Accepted in the Beloved. That's why I use the King James. It's the King James and the New King James. Maybe one or two others. The only ones that say accepted there. Some say favored. Same thing. 
Keep your hand up. <laughs> Say, I have been made accepted in Christ. Amen. John 3, 16. Familiar scriptures. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That eternal life. That eternal life. That's not something that we wait to get to heaven for. Yeah? Eternal life is, is a intimacy, fellowship with God, the Father and the Son. Huh? That's that's the definition of eternal life Jesus gave us in John 17, 3. Remember he was praying on that fateful night with the disciples and he was praying and sharing so much of his heart with you. That's the night that he gave us his peace as a gift in John 14, 27. Wow. That, Norma, that, that peace that allowed him to sleep in the back of that boat you asked me about earlier in the middle of the storm. He gave you that peace as a gift. John 14, 27. And he also gave you a part to play there. Peace I give to you. My peace I give unto you. Then, check this out. Yeah, because people start thinking, yeah, I've heard things like that before. <laughs> I've had people promise me things before. So, so here's what he says. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. <laughs> and then your part. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Relationship, fellowship, intimacy. If you'll keep that fear away, just run it off. Keep your mind stayed on me. I'll keep you in perfect peace. Isaiah 26, 3. Because trust me. That's what Isaiah 26 3 says. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on me because he trusts in me. Again, there's a part to play. He's telling you God loves you. You're accepted in the beloved. And he has wonderful things for you. We've been talking about some of the things. We've been talking about prosperity. Real prosperity. Yeah? And not, not getting a cart ahead of the horse. Yeah, is that right? <laughs> because how destructive it can be to just to give uh, an immature Christian a whole bunch of money, right? A good parent wouldn't, wouldn't give a 16-year-old kid a new Corvette. They do it. And forgive me if any of you have done that. But if you have, you wouldn't do it again, right? <laughs> it's not wise. Not even fair to them, actually. <laughs> but God's not mad at you, folks. That's what I'm trying to tell you. He loves you. You're accepted. Because all the things that he wants you to have, all the grace that Jesus died to provide you with, so that you could live this abundant life that we've been talking about requires that you believe in the goodness of God and that you 
You're not condemned, like I said, that like a building is condemned, it's unfit for use. And that's how most of us walk around feeling sometimes, carrying that old baggage. You can't fix the past. You might get opportunities to do some things that are good for the past mistakes, but you can't live with that on your mind all day, feeling guilt and shame and condemnation. Start today and look at the grace that God's provided for today to do the things that he's given you to do today. Amen. Spend all the grace he gives you today. And then tomorrow, say, Lord, let's go again. Third John 2, we've been talking about it a lot, huh? It's his desire that we be in good health and prosper, even as our souls prosper, right? Our souls prosper. Walking in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, or meekness and temperance. <laughs> Depending on which version. But he loves you. He has good things in store for you. He has good plans for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. And he, he wants to talk to you. That's what we've been talking about. We're closing out two months on this now. I mean, we've, we've talked about some other things, but everybody's still journaling. Right now, first thing, first fruit of your day, if possible. Lord, what do you want to talk to me about? What are you going to say? How do you see me? What do you, what's, talk to me. I'm listening. I'm here, Lord. It's like Samuel said. You know he said his name five times? <laughs> Jeremiah 33, verse 3, says, Call to me. This is the Lord. The Lord calling to you. Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Isn't that exciting? What a great adventure, you know? When I read that, when I realized that, and I realized that that was true, that this word was alive, and God was real, and he loved me, and called me, and all that stuff, I, I was excited, very excited. And I began to seek him with my whole heart. Because he talks about Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future, all these good things. But then it goes on to say that then you will come to me and you'll, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I'm like, okay, there's our part again. I want what he's promising and I want to do what it takes. And so I want began to seek him with my whole heart. You see, the reason that most people don't seek him with their whole heart is because they're really afraid they might find him. And then he's going to be mad at them, see? So they just try to fly under the radar. You know what I'm saying? And that's what he wants you to understand is totally wrong. <laughs> so I began to seek him. He called me on the phone. You read my book, you know what I'm talking about. He had somebody call me on the phone, didn't he? 
still don't know. Man, I don't have too many reviews on Amazon. Something about a skunk? Yeah. All right, now we're there. Okay. Everything was new, man. All that old junk was gone. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Any man be in Christ. All that old stuff is gone. The old man's dead. All things have become new. And he began to speak to me about everything. He told me he loved me. But he also began to speak to me about some really hard things. And if uh, you've been doing your journaling, some of that's come out as well. Yeah? He told you he loved you. We know that. Russell told me that it's never failed when he's challenged anyone and whatever. How long has he been a minister now? 40 years, 35 years, something like that. It's never failed. One with one person, that one of the main things, the first thing he tells us all is I love you. So we know he does that, but he also will begin to talk to you about some hard things, huh? One of the greatest benefits of our salvation, folks, is that is that hearing God is one of the benefits. He, he speaks to us personally, doesn't he? Jeff got up here and preached my message today. <laughs> Just kidding. No, that's, that's, that's good. It's good that the Lord spoke to him that way because that shows you what's happening here. That's how it, that's how it works. That anointing. Psalm 133, read it. See how it flows. Get on all of you if you let it. There can't be an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father without hearing God. If it feels like we're beating a dead horse, talking about hearing God's voice a lot, it's okay, we're not. If you didn't need to keep hearing it, you wouldn't have me ministering on it. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> but it's benefiting me all over again. Honestly, I had gotten away from some things. I, I admitted to you guys a few weeks ago that I had I didn't even know it, but I had stopped dreaming. And when you go through lots of crisis and things like that, and life happens and it's hard, you, it can happen without you even realizing. And so I'm very thankful that that was brought to my attention. And, and it was brought to my attention by God. Because he loves me. Not as a criticism. As easy it is for us to speak to God, though, we all pray. I hope. <laughs> the average Christian has a really hard time hearing him, though, don't. And that's not the way that he intended it to be. And so that's what we're looking at today. I remember back when uh, 
Well, I'm learning, I'm trying to learn not to use people's names and get stuff stirred up. But a past vice president who was a godly man not too long ago, <laughs> one of the daytime television hostesses, criticized him for saying that he had heard God. Remember that? Anyway, because that's just, and I'm not mad at her. I pray for her. He has Jesus, what she needs, you see. The world thinks it's foolishness. They think everything to do with the cross is foolishness. I told you, inscribed on that mosque, that golden dome over there, right? In the middle of Jerusalem there, on the Temple Mount, is inscribed, God has no need for a son in two different places in Arabic. Or whatever their language, Aramaic. That's what they believe. It's the spirit of Antichrist. The world thinks it's all foolish. Everything that we believe for. Yeah. We have a purpose, folks. We're created for intimacy with God, fellowship with God. Everybody wants to know their purpose. You know? First of all, we're created for intimacy with God, fellowship with God. The world has made it into religion, even Christianity. It shouldn't be. It's all about relationship. That's what he was after. Intimacy with God, fellowship, intimacy, relationship with our spouse, God first, your husband or your wife next. I don't care how big your ministry gets or your job or your corporation or anything else. God first, spouse second, then the kids and the family. You know? The, the number one job of parents regarding children is to raise those children up to know God. A lot of us failed at that. Or we, you know, I don't think anybody would say they did it perfectly. <clears throat> you know, we're just a little harder on ourselves anyway. But, and again, we can get all that settled. You know, we don't want to drag that baggage around with us, but just start where you're at. Huh? And then, you know, your church and your church family and everybody, right? Like we talked about, everybody. we love, we're called, our purpose is to be salt and light in a sick and dying world. So learning to distinguish God's voice is really important, wouldn't you say? Because that's, we got a big responsibility and it's, he doesn't want us carrying the pack on our back. He wants to cast all our cares upon him. So don't you think it's important that we be able to hear him? Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to give you all my cares and worries and concerns, Lord. And then never be able to hear back from him about what he's doing. <laughs> we don't want to go through life blindly. We can have... The wisdom of God to guide us and protect us, 
every person hearing this today in this setting or anywhere in the world at any time can have their life radically transformed by hearing the voice of the Lord better. Amen. The worst marital problem that we could ever have. One word away. One word from the Lord away from total turnaround. Sickness, disease, one living word from the living God instantly healed. Problems in our finances. The Lord knows exactly how to turn that all around in that situation. It's just a matter of hearing his voice. That's why we're talking about it so much. There are practical things that we can do, of course, not to get God to speak to us, but to stay in a place with a, a where we're where we're in peace, with a, with our conscience is clear. Doesn't mean we haven't made any mistakes. It means we've gone to him about it. And then it's done. He don't want to talk about it no more. Once you've repented of it. That, repenting doesn't say it mean I'm sorry and then go do the same thing. He said you can take your stuff. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> repenting is changing your mind about that. So keep your conscience clear. Stay in peace with, with everyone, with yourself, with, with all that, so that you're positioned, spiritually speaking, to hear God. Because, see, his transmitter is always functioning, right? It's our receivers that get off a little bit. Huh? We got too much static. Too much static. He's not transmitting static. But we hear a lot of static. Amen. Jesus made some radical statements about hearing God's voice. In John chapter 10, verse 3, he was speaking about himself in this parable. He's talking about himself as the shepherd. Isn't Jesus our shepherd? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. He's the shepherd of the sheep, and he's the only way to enter into the sheepfold, isn't he? Yeah? So John chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. To him the porter openeth. King James is fine, though. Openeth. And the sheep hear his voice. hear that degree of confidence in there huh the sheep hear his voice what and he calleth his own sheep by name that's another thing you've heard him say he loves you and you've heard him say your name your first name I had a preacher who didn't invite me back to preach at his conference and didn't speak to me for, I 
think three years because I, I didn't call him apostle in front of his congregation. I called him by his first name and I was like, man, that's the only thing I've ever heard the Lord call me. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Stranger danger. Man, my six-year-old granddaughter knows that much. How come Christians... Notice he said in verse 3, his sheep hear his voice. He didn't say the sheep can hear his voice or should hear his voice. He made that emphatic statement that his sheep do hear his voice. So all true believers can and do hear the voice of God. Amen. They don't just recognize what they're hearing. Well... I'll put it like this. Sometimes there's so much, it's not just the static, but there's other voices. Yeah? Have you ever got your radio station when they had the dials? <laughs> and it was like it's overlays, right? It's like, it's like, oh my gosh. I got, I'm picking something up on the X here. <laughs> You know, it was easy top fans. <laughs> add something from a local preacher. Add something from the AM country radio. You know, it's all blended in. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I got to change that. Too many voices, huh? So we're hearing God, but sometimes we don't recognize that it's God's voice that we're hearing. No, wait. Yeah. Uh, John 10, 27, in case you say, well, that's, I don't know, all those parables, I don't know. I don't <laughs> so, so I guess Jesus understands that. He said, John, in John 10, 27, okay, let me just say it like this. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Okay. All right. Any more ambiguity? <laughs> Pretty clear. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me. He loves you. You're accepted as his child in Christ. He has a purpose for you. But regarding the hearing, the first thing we need to do is to believe that God is already speaking and start listening. I mean, that's, that's an important epiphany. All right, I'm going to just believe this preacher, not just because of what he said, because there are false prophets, <laughs> but because he just backed it up with all those scriptures. Took him a long time to get here because he had to prove himself all the way. I hope. Amen. Believe God's already speaking. Start listening. 
And listen, don't beat yourself up because that'll make you quit. It'll make you quit coming here. <laughs> That's just too hard. I heard somebody say that before, didn't we, one time, May? And we love her very much. <laughs> Go somewhere, ain't so hard. <laughs> and that person's doing very well, by the way. They found out where they need to be. I didn't mean to make it hard. But don't beat yourself up. It takes time. But listen, it does take effort. This is not earning anything from God. This is not the law. This is participating in grace. This is the equipping of the saints that Jesus died to provide us with. We can hear God. He's speaking all the time. But listen, we've heard so much of the world for so long that we need to figure out how to hear God. And he's, he's told us how. And I'm trying to help us to know how so that we can keep pressing in. To will. You know, I remember in ninth grade, folks, I've told this story so many times because I'll never forget it. I, I kind of liked school. My wife was the opposite. That's why she can't sit next to Barbara when she comes to church. Need some candy? Need some candy? Yeah. She loves the Lord. She loves me. She's awesome. But anyway, she said she spent, spent a lot of her time in the library. She loved the library, so when they'd get mad at her and send her to the library, she'd be like, yes. Tabana, get out of here. Go to the library. They seemed to get in trouble. They just didn't know what to do. Just go. <laughs> but ninth grade algebra, I didn't get it. At first, you're laughing at me back there. MIT graduate, by the way. <laughs> Bill, I didn't get it at first. And you know what that did to me? I dreaded going to that class. You know, that was the longest walk every day <laughs> to that class because I did not get it. But one day, the light bulb went on. And man, I got it. It was a revelation of algebra. And I loved it after that. Give it to me. Give it to me. I, come here. I got it. You know, it, I, I got it. And I didn't mind it after that. So that's, it's sort of like that. Keep Keep pressing in. If you're frustrated about hearing God's voice, don't stop. You're almost there. Huh? Takes time, takes effort, takes focus, but it's a guaranteed thing. This is not something, hey, it works for some people, it doesn't work for others. No, it works because it's God working it. Problem is you're not a robot and it requires a, you have a part to play. If you want to hear him, listen, how long did he seek after you? That's right. How long did he chase you down 
before you surrender? Doesn't he, isn't he entitled? I mean, isn't he entitled for you to seek him with your whole heart for a minute? The average Christian's lifestyle is so busy, it just isn't conducive to hearing God's voice. Almost everybody just seems to be busier and busier these days. And that's one of the biggest reasons we don't hear the voice of the Lord. We're just too busy. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. It's in the stillness, not the busyness, that we tune our spiritual ears to hear the voice of God. Amen. The Lord is always, well, I was going to say, He always speaks to us in a still, small voice. That's not, that's not totally correct. He can do whatever he wants. He's God. <laughs> but usually, I'll put it like that. And I think that's, I think he's okay with that. Usually, it's a still small voice. But we just let it get drowned out amid all the turmoil of our daily lives. Those who have ears to hear. <laughs> I lost my bookmarker a minute ago. But I was trying to put it in 1 Kings chapter 16. No, 19. I didn't lose it. It's right there. It fell out. But I remember where it was. 1 Kings chapter 19. Remember the prophet Elijah? Elijah. The first one. Elijah got the double portion. Elijah ran from Jezebel. <laughs> after he killed all the prophets of Baal he was a bad boy man God was working in his life he did some cool stuff called down fire from heaven <laughs> sat there sat there oh man he had such a dialogue where is that at 1st Kings chapter 19 and uh, I'll tell you where in a second, but I want to go back to 18. I want to tell you what he, he got these, it was 850 prophets, false prophets, right? Because there was four, 400 prophets of Baal, no, 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of uh, that other false god, Asherah, the Asherah poles, right? So there was 850 false prophets gathered around. He called them all to meet him, challenged them. Yeah, this is how God was working in this man's life. There's a prophet in Israel, and he got them all together. And remember, he he, he built the they they put the, the sacrifice up there. They built the the deal, and and uh, and then uh, and he he tried to get them to he gave them the first shot to 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 see if their their God would burn up the the the, the sacrifice, you know. And they danced and cut themselves with spears and swords and did all their ritual and demonic stuff. And then, but but I love it. 
he was, I'm trying to find where he was mocking them. Because he had told them to, to choose for themselves a bull, prepare it, for you are many. <laughs> so he's already, it was so, it's so full of funny. This is in like the 25th verse of the 18th chapter. Yeah, 27. Choose for yourselves one bull, prepare it first for your many, and, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And in verse 26 of the 18th chapter of First Kings, he said, And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered, and they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocking them. This is, I wasn't going to minister on this, but this is so awesome. It's so funny. And so powerful. I'll show you how powerful this, this prophet was. And at, in verse 27 of the 18th chapter, Elisha at noon mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god, little g. Either he is musing. Or he's relieving himself. He said, maybe your God went to the bathroom, is what he said. <laughs> I mean, that's hilarious. <laughs> or he's on a journey. Maybe he went on a trip. He, he's, a, he's on a journey. Or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. <laughs> and they cried aloud and cut themselves. You see, that's a demonic thing, cutting. After their custom, that was their custom, with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. How silly. And it, as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he re repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two seahs of seed, and he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces. And so he prepared basically for a big bonfire here, folks. And then he dug a big trench around it, okay? And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And you know those jars we talked about, the, the baths, of, that you had to actually be able to submerge a person into those jars if it was the same type that Jesus used to fill with wine later on but anyway it was a lot of water it wasn't just a, a glass of water um, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood and he said do it a second time so they did it a second time just to, to make sure it was good and doused and they did it a second time and he said do it a third time and they did it a third time and the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. So there's no doubt that their wood was wet. <laughs> Anybody knows anything about building fires? It's like you know, if you, if you don't, if you don't, uh, 
If you don't think that's funny, your wood's wet. You know what I mean? It's like, that's a wood, that means you can't start a fire with wet wood. So that's what he was trying to accomplish, is show them I've soaked this whole thing, and there's even a, a pool all around it, right? And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elisha, the prophet, came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. So, again, God doesn't do anything because of our antics. You know, it, it wouldn't have mattered if he had smarted off to them or if he had been kind to them or whatever. Here's what God got to do it. He was proving his word, right? And that he is God and that he had a prophet in, in Israel. So answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So praise God, it accomplished the mission. But I thought that was a funny story because that was just one of the amazing things that God used this great man of God to do. But then, when Jezebel found out what, she, what he had done to her prophet, she said, I'm going to kill you. Right away. And he got terrified, and he ran, <laughs> and he hid. I don't know. He, he, did, he just got scared of this woman, because she was evil. But, I mean, he had done a lot of amazing things. He he had stopped the rain. He had killed all these prophets of Baal and all these things, but he got scared. And anyway, he just kind of came to the end of himself. He got off into fear and out of faith, and he just, he really needed a word from the Lord. <laughs> and he went to a cave. Let's just make a long story short. He ended up in a cave. This angel told him to go because uh, he had sat down basically under a tree and wanted to die, just sort of like Jonah did. <laughs> and the angel came and he told him, and he ended up in this cave. And this is what I wanted to read to you. In the 19th chapter of 1 Kings, he's in this cave and he's all alone and he's dejected and depressed and alone and uh, and he had been praying and he and he he told he told God and he's he's ranting and rambling to God I've done all this and they all these bad guys are after me and everybody's dead but me that cared anything about you basically <laughs> and uh, and uh, and he thought he thought they were dead anyway. He said that they put them all to the sword. And I, even only I, am left. And, and they seek my life to take it. And so the Lord told him in verse 11, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. 
But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he fixed him, basically. But obviously the point of that is what we've been talking about here today. You know, God's not in. Everybody wants God to send a, a lightning bolt or, you know, we want to fleece God all the time. If it's really you, then do this and do that. And that's really not his preferred method, folks. You see, he doesn't want to have to be in an earthquake and a fire and a, a big mighty wind and be boisterous. And he's really very humble even though he's awesome and mighty he prefers just to speak to you in a, a still small voice amen? amen he never changes so it's in the stillness not the busyness that we tune our spiritual ears to hear his voice and the second thing is this and this is very important Often, and I'll, I'll have a lot more I was going to share with you, but I'm, we'll see. I just want to tell you this second thing. A lot of times we mistake the voice of the Lord for our own thoughts. <clears throat> and I, what I'm, I'm saying is not that your thoughts aren't His voice. I'm saying that you think, oh, that's just me, and it's really him. Are you all with me? Yeah. Yes. The voice of the Lord comes to us most often in our own voice, in our own thoughts. I say voice, but it's really a thought. A thought that sounds like you. How's that? <laughs> I've told you before, sometimes you'll hear him, and it might sound like me. I'm not trying to say I'm God. It's just that you hear me preaching a lot. And sometimes something will come back to you. And it might be in my voice. And that can be God. You know. It could be this week. You're seeking God. You might hear Samuel speak. When he was up here giving his testimony. That could be God. You see what I'm saying. But most often. It's going to sound just like you. So don't dismiss it. All right? Is this helping anybody? Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> John 4.24 says that God is a spirit. Remember what he told the woman at the well? God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> this is saying that communication with God is spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, capital S, to spirit. Spirit to spirit. A little s. Our spirit. So his spirit is speaking to our spirit. Not brain to brain or brain to, to, <laughs> to uh, mouth or ears like we're used to communicating in the natural. 
but in thoughts and impressions of the heart. See? Boy, y'all are good. All right, we're going to have some algebra moments here. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. If not now, in the early morning when you're with the Lord, you're just going to start saying, man, I hear you, Lord. And now I get it. You do love me. Yeah, I love you too. You know, he told me last... Last week I was journaling. I sat there for a while. And I I heard myself. This is a perfect example. And you I, I would show you my journal if you don't believe me, but I know you believe me, right? I heard myself say something finally, because he hadn't. And I, I had a suspicion, but because I was waiting to write down what he said, right? But he didn't say anything, so sometimes I'll break the ice. And I said, I love you, Lord. And check this out. He said, I love you too, William. And I said it first, but you wrote yours down first. <laughs> yes, that was me. You can see that in my journal right now. And that's a great, I want you to remember that. Because something similar may happen with you. And it might be a very good breakthrough for you, huh? If it does. Uh, I don't want to keep you too long. I think we made some pretty good headway. I think we're good. Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for speaking to us about how you speak to us. We love you for it. We believe it. We thank you that you love us, that you have made us acceptable in Christ, and that you have a purpose for us, and it's good, that you want us to walk in all of the blessings and the provision and the abundant life, and the eternal life that you have that you sent your son Jesus to die to provide us with. And you're helping us to get there, Lord. Thank you that for showing us that it's essential. It's really necessary that we hear you and hear you clearly. And that we'll be able to communicate with you. So that we can walk in greater measure of our purpose and destiny and confidence. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for loving us, and thank you for going with us. Thank you for meeting everyone here and everyone who hears this message at their point of need this week. And if it be plural needs, meet them all, Lord. Show them that everything in every area of their life you are working for their good because you love us and because we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
Praise God. Praise God.